Well, I want to thank you for being here. For those of you who are tuning in tonight, uh, this is my positive full mooning book club. Uh, we meet on the full moon of each month. Tonight is the May full moon, which is occurring right now as we speak. Go out and look at it after our broadcast, of course. Uh, it is called the May uh, full moon, uh, the flower full moon. Uh, because the Native Americans believed that all the flowers uh, would start to uh, emerge from the Earth's surface after this full moon. And uh, so I am very excited. When we first agreed to do this, it was two months ago, and uh, we picked this date, and we were going to be in person tonight in Piermont, where I live, uh, at Bunbury's Coffee Shop. But unfortunately, life has gotten in the way. And this is where we are right now. And I do want to let everyone know, because I know that they, we are streaming on various pages right now. If you want to comment to either David or myself or ask any questions, make sure that you are on the positive full mooning uh, page on Facebook. I know it's a little confusing, but the reason we're doing this is because some of the platforms on this particular platform that we're using want to allow comments. So, David, I want to begin by asking, you know, in the midst of everything that's going on, how are you and Sean dealing with everything on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, there's a wonderful saying that a unity minister friend of ours did, which is, we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Mm -hmm. So, wow. for me and Sean, uh, we're having a wonderful time. I mean, we're, I, I like to say... First of all, Sean is not eating out, so that's saving us $7,500 a week. <laughs> I think for us, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm. what I've done is I have a lot of writing projects and stuff, but I'm, I'm uh, offering coaching at very inexpensive prices so that people can take advantage of it. So I'm working with people. I'm doing I'm, – I'm making less money than I usually make, but I'm – we're not driving to New York. We're not eating out. We're not mowing the lawn. We're not, you know, and so uh, Sean goes into the church. Sean's a unity minister mm -hmm. and there's nobody in the building. So he goes in by himself and does all his Zoom meetings and all his services. We do a service on Sunday with five people. I'm at the piano. Christina mm -hmm. Connor sings. Sean speaks. Camera, sound. We're all, you know, 10 feet apart. And I'm doing a big project for Broadway Cares. We're doing a big Help Us on the Way with all the stars who did the Easter Bonnet. And so I'm busy. And uh, I, I frankly, not that I want this to be happening. You know, people are sick and dying. and But there's something about this that is a huge opportunity for us to sit still and look within and heal the planet, heal ourselves, heal our thoughts. And I've decided to take this. The first decision I made was I'm going to stop pushing. I'm going to sit back and see what I receive. And there have been many gifts to this. Uh, Sean and I are spending so much time together. We mm -hmm. take a two-mile walk every day, and it's we're having a where we have three freezers full of food and we're in we're in Connecticut so it's beautiful and you know I'm I'm this is you know what I'm looking uh, at 
That's gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I've only seen that, you know, unfortunately, when there's snow on the ground or when it's yeah. very cold out or there are 125 people around. At Christmas, yes. But, you know, there's a waterfall and a river running and a bridge and a, the property. And it, we're so we're really having a good time. And I'm really trying to use it for uh, for spiritual healing. I'm really watching everything I post on Facebook is about, uh, I want to call it like positive thinking, but I call it, what are we saying to each other? How are we addressing each other? Are you, are you, are you posting anger and hate or are you posting an effort to communicate? I'm really trying to listen to people who have an extremely different point of view from me uh, and hear them and think of them as human beings who have something in mind. And uh, so it's a chance to sit still. And I, I just have this feeling of connection to something larger that's taking care of us. Mm -hmm. and, you know, if you, you know, my particular, my, Sean's a unity minister. So our particular interpretation of the Bible is that it's, um, it's allegory. It's here to really teach us about ourselves. And uh, if you look at all the Bible stories, if you look at Noah, if you look at Job, if you look at the Jesus crucifixion, if you look at the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years, what's really interesting that this happened right at Passover and Easter, mm -hmm. all these stories are about death and resurrection. They're all about something falling apart, something appearing to be disastrous. And because we were in, you know, it's interesting in unity, the, the definition of sin is missing the mark. It's not your badge. I like that. It's so in many ways, we've been missing the mark. We've been driven. We've been hating each other. We've been not taking care of the earth. And some larger consciousness, call it whatever you will, said, stop. And there's something in this. So I'm not, I'm anxious for us all to, in good time, you know, get out. I miss people and I want that personal contact. Uh, I'm not anxious to get back to what normal was considered before, because I don't think. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, you, you, we go back to your book, uh, The Thought Exchange. Yeah. I was immersed in that book yesterday. It had been ages since I had read the beginning of it. Uh -huh. and your journey that led to your writing the book. And there was a comment uh, that you were talking about the things that you wanted in your life at that time. And one of the things that you wanted, which made me, it brought a tear to my eye, was that you wanted to make Nancy Lamott a star. And the onus was really on someone else. It wasn't on you. It was on that's where you were at that point in your life. Uh, as we get to It's All Inside, uh, which is why we're here tonight, um, I want you to take us back for those who don't know and tell us how the thought exchange came to be. Well, the thought exchange is something that I, um, I wouldn't say I created it, it created me. It's a way of 
metaphysically looking at our lives. Now, when it started, it started because I was asked to take over the artist support circle at Unity of New York. Mm -hmm. It was a group of artists that sat in a circle and supported each other. And when the leader left, I was a successful artist. And so they asked me to take it over. And so I went in to see what it was. And it was a group of artists sitting in a circle supporting each other and people were doing positive thinking and saying i am a brilliant artist with millions of records and uh records at that time and uh <laughs> and uh, millions of fans and i think no you're not why are you saying that and i realized that people were thinking that if they said something in the right way with the right words and the right mantra, that whoever it is out there who decides whether to give out such things, will give it to them. And I thought this can't be what's happening. So we started to look at positive thinking. Now, it's sort of a axiom that think positive thoughts and your life will be better and more positive. And sort of everybody knows that. But I began to notice that although we all know it, we have tremendous difficulty doing it. We, we take on a positive thought and within two seconds, we're back to our old thought. And I thought, we're not stupid, we're not lazy, we are really caring people trying to study this. Why is it that we can't hold on to a positive thought? There must be a good reason. Uh, like today, I posted something, there was a piece of news about what the administration's doing that I thought people should know and uh, concerned me. And I said, I'm gonna post this, can you I want every response to be what you are for, not who or what you're against. I want to hear what you'd like to see happen, what you'd like to do, and I will be obnoxious and call you on it if you do it the other way. And people did pretty well, but it's really hard to do that because there's something that keeps us from holding the thought of the things we want to see in our life. And as I studied this by teaching workshops and thinking about it and working with people one-on-one, -on -one, I realized that it is the positive thoughts that usually make us the most uncomfortable. And the reason is, for instance, let's say you had a traumatic feeling associated with a positive thought when you were younger. So when you were young, you said, I'm gonna be a star. And someone slapped you across the face and said, you stupid idiot, of course you're not, you have no talent. So you immediately associate that positive thought with getting hit. A child very quickly learns the way not to get hit is to never go near that thought. As adults, we take on that thought and our body immediately remembers and goes, no, and creates an uncomfortable sensation. We feel that and we go, oh, that's wrong. So we immediately jump to 
what I would call not a not a negative thought, a protective thought. So if we say, I can do this, immediately we feel ourselves choking or our stomach starts to churn or whatever. And then we say, oh, I'm going to change that for I can't do it. And then your stomach feels better, but you don't get to do what you wanted to do. So I remember one of my favorite stories. Years ago, I was winning the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award at the Max, and Lucy Arnaz was presenting it to me. And we're, we're backstage pacing the floor because, you know, she has to go out and rave about me, and then I have to go out and accept an award, whatever that is, and sing. And, and she says, wait a minute, thought exchange. She says, what are my sensations right now? And she said, my chest is tight, my stomach is churning, and my hands are shaking. And just as she said that, the announcer said, ladies and gentlemen, won't you welcome the one, the only, the fabulous Miss Lucy Arnaz. And she looked at me and she went, touched her stomach, went, she said, I can go out there with that. And she went out. So what I teach is that, uh, positive thoughts, the things we really want to do if we haven't been able to do them, not all positive thoughts, but anything that's associated with pain, mm -hmm. come with uncomfortable sensations that do not mean anything now. So when someone says to me, I want to be really famous and successful, I say, that's great. Are you willing to be that uncomfortable? And, you know, Barbara Streisand is not comfortable. Oprah Winfrey is not comfortable. They're willing to be with that. And as we all know who go on stage, we don't feel comfortable the second before we go on stage. <laughs> That's true. We're, we're panic stricken, our hearts pounding. We're, and we go, that is the sensation. I used to call that terror. I now call it the way it feels before you go out on stage. And then you go out and that becomes energy. So people are confused because they keep trying to think positive and the more they do it, the more uncomfortable they feel and they think they're doing something wrong. But it's a matter of being able to be with that discomfort. And I came to this because when I was 20, I had panic disorder. I couldn't go out of the house. I had agoraphobia. I would shake. I would be panicky. And I realized that I had to be with it. I had to experience it. There was no way, if you've had panic and you say, oh, thank God I haven't panicked in 20 years, it's got you, because you could panic. So when I got to Broadway, I put a big sign on my music stand. I'm sure the first row enjoyed it tremendously. And it's, <laughs> it said, so die, drop dead, but don't walk off the podium. Mm -hmm. And my heart would be pounding and the room would be spinning and I would just stand there. And I got used to it. And it's not that it never happens. It does sometimes, but I can be with it. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole, uh, there's a whole weird thing in the positive thinking movement that is, people keep trying to tell you to think positive. And when you do, you feel worse. And you don't realize that that is part of it. 
And so anything I've ever done of value has been challenging in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And the more we accept it, the more we can do. And so I think the thing about it's all inside is that what I came to as I studied this, that oh, I did all inside my publisher, you know, the book, The Thought Exchange is a, um, uh, like the Bible of thought exchange. It just tells you everything. Mm -hmm. It's all inside. It's like a course. It has all of the exercises in order to work this technique. It's got everything I've discovered, but it's just exercise one, exercise, and you can do them yourself. You can do them at home. You can, but the premise of this, you see, when I do a meditation where I say, notice your thoughts. And we just had a workshop last night on Zoom. And if you really stop and watch your thoughts, just watch them. There's a parade of them. And I could be sitting here now thinking, oh, I'm so tired. What am I doing this? Why would anyone be interested in me? You know, I love talking to Richard. Oh, Sean's coming home in an hour. And, you know, last week this thing happened. And I wonder when we're going to get out of this thing. And for dinner I had this. Your mind is just going. And your mind is designed to scan the horizon for anything that might look like something else that was dangerous. And so it's coming up with a constant parade. And so we all shared what we were thinking and it was all crazy. Mm -hmm. And I said, you must remember, if you're talking to Queen Elizabeth or to some huge movie star or to a brilliant, well, that's what's going on in their mind, just like yours. Mm -hmm. So then I asked people to look at their sensations. Now, people have trouble often looking at their sensations because we tend to want to jump away from them and into our mind, our thoughts. So like if I say to someone, what sensation are you having? They'll say, I feel like my head is going to explode. Now, that's a thought about a sensation. The sensation is actually a tightness or a pain or, but they say, I feel like my head's going to explode. And what I usually say is, you know, I've been doing this work for many years and I've only seen three or four heads explode. It doesn't happen. Name <laughs> <Many> names. <laughs> so we look at our thoughts and sensations and then I ask the crucial question, who is looking at these thoughts and sensations? There is a you that is an invisible consciousness, the you that just knows you're here. And that you is located nowhere and has no physicality and has no feelings or thoughts. It just is watching. It's watching thoughts and sensations. Now, the interesting thing is the only way you ever experience the world ever is in thoughts and sensations that are being observed by 
who you really are, which is a consciousness. So for instance, I like to say, I can't prove that you're there. I see you, if I was dreaming, I'd see you too. But my entire experience of you goes on in me. It's like, Sean has a wonderful expression. He says, doesn't it just drive you nuts when people you don't like have friends? <laughs> That's great. I love that. My experience of you, I could say, oh, Richard Skipper is a wonderful person. And someone would say, oh, I can't stand him. Mm -hmm. Either of those is true of you. All of them. Well, my grandmother used to say what people think of you is none of your business. That's you know? right. Exactly. Because, because it has nothing to do with you. It only is what people are saying. So people say, isn't it lonely? There's nobody out there. And I say, no, everybody's in here. Mm -hmm. So you are in here. And what's been interesting about this period of time, we're connecting to people and we're we're reminded of how we love people who we don't see for a long period. Exactly. You know, it's very interesting because, you know, today reading through the book, things were coming out at me and I was processing the, what I was reading based on what my thoughts are and sensations and all of that around yeah. every single thing that's going on in our world right now. Yep. Yep. And it's all to realize, see, it's very weird to realize that our happiness and contentment is in no way based on events. They have nothing to do with it. Well, it's I'll tell you an interesting story. We have a friend um, here. Her husband passed away many right. years ago. And this is probably going to sound like a, a horrid story that I'm going to share. Uh, but I don't think of it as being a hard story. They had what I thought was a wonderful thought. That's the word. Uh, was a wonderful marriage and relationship. Mm -hmm. And she said three days after he passed away, she was out doing errands and she found she was skipping. And she said that she felt that a burden had been lifted off of her. And she wrote her memoirs and she went to her sons before writing the book to say, I need to run this by you because if you don't feel that it should go in the book, it won't go in the book. And they said, if that's what you were feeling at that moment, it absolutely has to go in the book because that, that also helps you define who you are. Yes. So do you think that our feelings define who we are or do we define our feelings? Well, who we are is none of that. Who we are is just spirits. And we're looking at these feelings and these thoughts, and we forget that we're spirits, and we go out and do things and get upset and do stuff like that. And what I say is, whenever we're in trouble, pull the camera back and remember who you really are. So who we are is, this sounds corny, but truly who we are is love. And in this invisible world, that's where we're all the same.
So if I wrote something on Facebook about this, if I am attacking someone, if I forget that inside that person is me, if I can think what would it feel like to me to have somebody do that? You know, we can remember that deep down inside, we all need the same thing. And we forget that and we get all out in the world, but that's not who we are. That is a forgetting. And at any moment, if we pull back into our awareness of consciousness, who we are, see your consciousness, nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. Nothing can hurt it. It's just there. Mm -hmm. So in a certain way, one could say, I mean, what are the qualities of God? Watching, no judgment, everything is possible, nothing can be taken away. This is where we are God. And I'm going to ask what I think is an interesting question. When you first wrote uh, the Thought Exchange, social media did not exist. Right. And now with... Um, a lot of people putting their thoughts and feelings on their sleeves and off of their sleeves right onto uh, social media so the world can see it. And they put themselves out there in a way that everyone around them can come in and comment on their feelings. There are people that will validate you and there will be people that will say you're stupid or crazy for feeling that. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, uh, I have a lot of thoughts on social media. Uh, the thing about social media is I recently, because I've been having this really interesting conversation with a friend who is on the opposite end of the political spectrum from me, the opposite, and posts these hateful, you know, bigoted things. And I've been entering into a conversation with him and I said, and he would say, well, this is my political beliefs. And I said, you know, there are two different things. There is expressing your beliefs. And then there is throwing off anger, hatred, things that you can't tolerate. To throw them out there and project them, which only brings back opposition it has to you know if you say something to me and i say oh well, richard i feel this way about it and tell me about your way and how about that we have a discourse if you say something to me and i say richard you're such a stupid idiot and you don't know anything about anything and you're just a moron you must come back suddenly the conversation it's not about what we're talking about. It's about whether you're a moron or not. And of course you're not. And so in Facebook, the because also people are not looking at each other, they say things that they would never say mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. So I said to my friend, I said, if I only, if I didn't know you and knew you, only from your Facebook page, I would think you're an obnoxious, bigoted, gun-toting, uh, 
horrible person. And that's not who you are. You're kind, you're interested. You're, I said, I try to present myself on Facebook the way I want people to know me. Mm -hmm. And so it's, if you meet me, you get what you saw there. Mm -hmm. Somehow, you know, there's a, a lot of things like Nazi Germany, for instance, was people who were, had very strict child rearing, had very punishing teaching, then they were humiliated in World War I, and people were so humiliated that when someone came along and said, you're the best, you're fabulous, they're all awful, they actually were so projecting their hatred that they could kill 12 million people and try to take over the world. And so I always ask, are we projecting hatred or are we having a discourse? And it's for each of us to have responsibility about that. But I notice I get addicted to it. And where I have control is to say, do not get into these conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, do not, even though everything in you wants to do that, don't go there because it only brings back resistance. So I have this whole campaign called What Are You For? And it started because years ago, Sean was walking in New York and some it was during the Bush campaign and someone came up to him and said, will you help us beat Bush? And Sean said, may I ask who you're for? Uh, (laughs) What is it that that you are presenting to me? You know, Mother Teresa said, I would never go to an anti-war rally. It requires a war. I'd go to a pro-peace rally. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So um, I've been posting when someone says something, I'm saying, what if we turn our attention to... I am for clean air and clean water. I'm for civil discourse. I'm for people being taken care of when they need to be taken care of. I'm for, uh, you know, and, and put our efforts into doing, you know, when we go to the voting booth, we do not vote against someone. We vote for someone. And I said online the other day, I said, when I go into a restaurant, I don't sit down and tell the waitress all the waiter or waitress all the food I hate and what I am absolutely not going to eat. Some people do. Yes, I do. I order. I order what I would like to see, to eat. And so uh, there is so much attention based on... I hate this from all sides. Uh, and I also see one of the things that I see happening a lot, and and I have gotten so good at this. I'm proud of myself on this that I don't feel that I need to weigh in on every conversation. Uh, if it's on my page, I will post something out there, and if it gets to the point where it is too controversial, I take it off of my page. Yeah. Uh, because I don't want uh, my page to turn into that. The way that I look at my uh, profile 
on Facebook is I think of it as my vision board. It's the vision that I want to put out and that I want people to be a part of. And uh, for me, I call my, you know, Richard Skipper Celebrates. Someone once said, well, how did you come up with that name? And I wanted to be the antidote to all of the negativity that I was seeing in the world. And, you know, if someone's having a conversation, and when I mean a conversation, I mean by what they're posting on their own page, that's their right. If that's where they are and they want to do that, I don't have to agree with it, but I also don't have to get into that discussion. Yes. Yeah. Because you're, you're feeding it in a way by getting into it. And so when we realize all the work I've been doing that our life is really going on inside. And so what we see in the world is a mirror of our thoughts. Now, that doesn't mean we're making the world happen. It means that anything we look at, we'll see with our thoughts. One of my favorite stories from Thought Exchange, I was at a dinner party and there was this woman who was in the middle of a messy divorce and she was really hating her husband. And she said, that louse has left me destitute. He's taken everything. I have nothing, I'm destitute. The only thing he's left me is the apartment and I have to sell it to live. I'm destitute. And someone asked her, what are you asking for the apartment? And she said, oh, $7,750,000. So this woman was down to her last $7 million. That, so it seemed ridiculous, except I realized this woman's experience of destitution is so great that when she looks at $7 million, she can still see destitution. There is nothing that she could put in the world that would change that until it changes in her. And you don't, if I'm looking in the mirror and I say, oh, I'm wearing this blue sweatshirt. I hate that blue sweatshirt, change that blue sweatshirt. The mirror can't change because there's nothing in the mirror. Uh It's over here. The minute I change my sweatshirt, there's no effort. You don't have to project yourself into the mirror or make it happen. So we're always looking out there, trying to make something happen. And it can't Uh Uh because it's happening in here. Well, I've always said that I'm not responsible for what's going on out there. I'm not responsible for what our president does, what our governor does, what our mayor does, what any of the people that are here with us tonight do. What I am responsible for is how I respond to it. That's right. For your thoughts about it, for your experience. And that is, and that is, the weird thing is, that is all there is. I couldn't get out into the world if I tried. So if there is a war going on in Afghanistan, that war is only going on within me. It's only my experience of that. There is nothing out there. Mm-hmm. And that is, and when people say, well, what is it out there? I say, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But 
you cannot get out there. So I can try to change you or I can notice the experience I have of you within me. And when I change that or when I accept it and then understand that I, you have nothing to do with it, my relationship with you begins to change based on what's going on in me. So one of the things that happens in Facebook, which is really challenging, is uh, we need to distinguish between opinion and fact. Mm -hmm. So what happens is someone will say, will put something on Facebook and a person will see it and see one detail that jibes with their political feelings. They'll take that, they'll spread it around till it becomes fact. And then suddenly a person is one thing. That person is a horrible, that person is a cheat, that person, as opposed to people are many things. And so what happens is, like for instance, this was whatever one thinks of Joe Biden. This is somebody posted a picture of Joe Biden with his hand on a little boy's chin, kissing his head and said, this sexual abuser needs to be stopped. That is a picture of Joe Biden at his son's funeral comforting his grandson now but someone who just decided that it's terrible mm -hmm. that's what they will see and then it becomes proliferated there's a one of my favorite stories i just put it on on facebook um is a parable about a rabbi in a small town in russia or whatever and this guy sees him every day stealing fruit from the fruit stand. The rabbi walks by and takes fruit and walks away. And he spreads the word that the rabbi is a thief. And the rabbi gets dismissed from his job and censured by the people. And the rabbi calls him in and says, why did you spread that rumor? And he says, it's not a rumor. I saw you with my own eyes stealing fruit. And he said, well, actually, I have an agreement with the fruit stand. I pay them at the beginning of the week for seven pieces of fruit so that then I can just walk by and take one each day. And the guy says, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I've ruined your reputation. How can I make this up to you? And the rabbi says, well, there is a ritual by which you can make this up. He says, tonight, go to the highest tower in the temple with a feather pillow and just release all the feathers to the wind. And the man says, "I of course I will. And he does it. And he releases to the feathers. And he comes back to the rabbi and he says, I've released all the feathers to the wind. And the rabbi says, okay, now bring me back every one of those feathers. Hmm. Once you sent this out. You can't bring it back. Yeah. And so... I remember when Nancy Lamar died, there were certain people who really 
were hell-bent on saying that I stole money, that I, you know, misused, whatever. So mm. I remember talking to Kathy Lee Gifford and Margaret Whiting, two people who had experienced fame and criticism, and, and they said, do not address it, forget about it. Let them, let them say whatever they want out there you know the truth and let it dissipate. That's a difficult thing to do, but it's it important. It was difficult, but, and they were coming after me and, but it, because I had to look at what do I know about myself and even look at what is my thought that this is appearing. What is my thought of that I get attacked, that I'm not allowed to do things, that blah, blah, blah. All I could do was look at that. Mm -hmm. Because if you, what you resist persists. And if you fight it, so I'm not saying, you know, if we don't like, like the administration or something, I'm not saying um, just sit back and let it happen. I'm saying, think about what you want and go work for that. Well, David, I had a, a similar experience happen to me about, a, I think, a year and a half ago when the whole gypsy robe controversy was happening. Yeah. I wrote a blog, um, and my blog began with a quote um, uh, from uh, about uh, political correctness. Uh -huh. And uh, someone didn't read the blog. They read that quote. And then they took a meme. They took a photograph from one of my shows, and they wrote, Richard Skipper celebrates white supremacy. And they, <laughs> and they posted this all over Facebook. Yeah. And I contacted my attorney, and I said, what do we do about this? He said, block them. He says, then it doesn't exist. He says, huh. I'll keep an eye on it. And if it goes anywhere, then we'll do address it. But if you don't address it, they want you to address it. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. And I blocked that person, and I let it go, and that was the end of it. Uh huh. There was nothing more to it. And things that have happened in our lives, a lot of times, if you don't talk about it, no one else knows that you've gone through this, or no one knows. You know that what your feelings are, yeah. but... You know, it's a matter of what we want to project into the world in terms of what we're going through and what we're feeling at any given moment. And people will come up with whatever they want to come with. I mean, I, one of the things, you know, I've had a long friendship with Kathy Lee Gifford. And she, of course, was tabloid fodder. And I remember one day, Kathy and Frank and I went to see David Pomerantz's Club Act opening. And, um, after the the show was over, Kathy went up to take pictures with David, and Frank and I sat at a table talking about sports, or I don't know what we we're talking about. <laughs> the next day, in the Inquirer, it said, Kathy Lee flaunts her new young lover while Frank seethes on the side. Oh, my God. It had a picture of Kathy with David, like, mwah, 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 and it had Frank going, you know, in some <laughs> animated pose. It, was, it pose. was like hilarious what what they made of this. And like I would go visit them and I'd say, Oh my God, you're still together. And they'd say, 
I'd say, I just read in the Enquirer that you are, you know, <laughs> and, and so this is a bad, and it's the thing about celebrity, people view you a certain way and are projecting. Mm -hmm. Sean has it as a minister. When you're a minister, everyone's projecting onto you. Uh, when you're a celebrity of any sort, I mean, or even when, you know, like I wrote, we can be kind and I am a kind person, but I ain't that song. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm, that's I'm, the name of your autobiography. I ain't that, that song. song. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when we realize that this is like, oh, I say to people, do you want to be a movie star? They say, oh, yes. You want to make $20 million a year? Yeah. A picture? Yes. You want to wear all those glamorous clothes? And when they, Yes. You want to spend nine months in Siberia away from your family? Well, not really. You want to be criticized in the paper for, you know, everything you wear and everything you say. You want to be divorced five times. You know, all of that is part of stardom. And so uh, are stars happier better off uh no they're, they're just having their experience and that experience we spend a lot of our lives thinking i want to have that not realizing what that feels like or what that entails or what you i remember years ago you'll enjoy this my mother was watching television and Merv Griffin did a tour of Zsa, Zsa Gabor's closet. <laughs> and my mother said, oh my God, can you imagine being Zsa, Zsa Gabor? I said, mom, you're sitting here in your home. Imagine having to dress like that and everyone's looking at you and you've had eight husbands and you always have to be on and spend hours on it. That's what being Zsa, Zsa Gabor is like. You know, it's not anything extraordinary so whatever that is for you your life is and this is something about this period that i love i'm just going this is not a hiatus this is our lives right now it's funny that you say that because a very dear friend of mine said to me the other day i want my life back and i said this is your life that's right that's right. Yeah. One of my favorite things, someone will say, oh, but my mother did this to me and I, I just, and this happened and I'm in this situation and I don't want to be. And I always do the famous quote, but you are, Blanche. But you are. <laughs> well, last night I was watching uh, the bio, uh, there's a, a new documentary about Natalie Wood. Oh, I heard about it. On HBO. It's brilliant. And, you know, and I listened to her daughter and Robert Wagner talk about that infamous night. And yeah. what he said was good enough for me. That was his experience. I believe what happened that night based on what he said. Um, but every year on that anniversary, things come out and they showed, you mentioned the National Enquirer earlier. Um, I will tell you this, years ago, I did a benefit and uh, Kathy made a donation to us. Mm -hmm. And she says, you don't need to publicize this. Uh -huh. He says, because it will be questioned as to what my motives are. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll never forget that. And, uh, but in this documentary, they showed all of these covers of papers 
uh, with all these things that supposedly happened from people that were not there. But I will share one thing, but you know, we're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes, but years ago, Carol Channing, as you know, was a dear friend of mine and she was doing a press junket. She was in Ohio and she was being interviewed by a gay publication. She didn't know it was a gay publication, but they asked her about her gay fans and she thought they were going to go in a direction that they were not going in. And she's, yo, you know what the Bible says about gays? Absolutely nothing. Well, the absolutely nothing part was left out of the interview. Oh my God. Oh and my God. so the headline of the paper was essentially that Carol Channing was turning her back on her gay fans. And, and this is a woman who was at this point 85 years old. And I wrote a letter to the editor of the paper saying this woman has done more AIDS benefits than anyone I know. She's appeared as the Grand Marshal in more gay pride parades than anyone I know. The person that you described is not the person she is. And she called me after that. Uh, my article ran, in the, uh, my response ran in the paper. And she said that I was the only person who didn't question her. She said she got some phone calls from people saying, how could you? Other people called saying, did you say that? But she says, you didn't question it. But you see how we jump on what's at our business? We jump oh. on something. Like, I can't tell you how many people, when I mentioned Kathy Lee, they say, ugh, I hate her. I said, you know her? No. Mm -hmm. So people become symbols and we jump in and project something onto them and this is what celebrity is this is what so there's something about how we're all just sitting here just in our little homes sean just came home and he waved some hot dogs at me said want some hot dogs and i'm like i yeah. do <laughs> and and uh sean said come on over except you can't uh, so okay. uh, <laughs> Well, I will say this. One thing that has happened as a result of this, because, you know, I don't get to Norwalk for uh, Sean's Unity Talks, but uh -huh. I am, you know, I love these. Uh, I, I get so much from what he says. Yeah, and you get to see it and you get to, I mean, I don't know that I've been loving teaching this way. I, and we, we almost every night, we have a Zoom uh, talk we're talking to friends in California we haven't seen in 10 years. We talked to friends in Mexico the other day. You know, Karen Mason and Paul, we spent two hours with them. We adore each other. We never spend two hours with each no. other. No. Well, this is the longest that you and I have ever sat and talked. To do this, and it's there's something about it that, you know, in terms of it's all inside, to get to slow down all of the stuff that's going on and sit with ourselves. And that is very, very, very challenging for most people. But, and we get very far from ourselves and to go, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna feel what I feel. A lot of people are feeling a lot of sadness and anxiety. And when we talk, we go, oh, Today, I'm feeling sadness and anxiety. I remember a wonderful story, Alan Menken. I was conducting a major, a, mu a musical called Kicks, which never happened, but it was a major 
presentation for the Schuberts. And I was conducting it. And I came in that morning and I said, Alan, I just came from therapy and I'm so bereft. I feel like I'm going to cry through this whole day. And Alan said, so cry through the whole day. Let's go. And I didn't because I had permission. But there's something that these human contacts, we're getting to slow down enough. We're getting to, mm. in my coachings, when people sing, I work on who you're talking to. When we do it by Zoom, I take my phone and I put it right in their face. And I say, I say, look at this. What do you see? It's a new way of doing things. It's, mm -hmm. it's I'm doing a thing for Broadway Cares with 50 singers and musicians who are all at home. It's, there's something, as you said, this is your life. Well, yesterday I was listening to an interview with Melissa Errico, and she was talking about the Sondheim concert from the other night. Yeah. And do you realize that the outreach of that one uh, moment on the internet reached more people than would have reached uh, the show if it ran for almost a year? Yeah. Because and we're all connected with this. Um, I want to thank you so much for spending tonight with me. Like I said, it's a beautiful full moon tonight, wherever you are in the world. Please go out. Yeah. I always end my programs uh, by telling people to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Yes. But I'm telling you, don't do that. Don't go out. <laughs> Stay home. Uh, one in my kindness book, I have a thing called Kamikaze Drive by Prayer. Wake up in the morning, think of someone, pray for them all day, and then call them at the end of the day and say, how was your day? Well, you've just beat me to my punch. Yeah. Because one of the things that I, you know, uh, today in numerology is a seven. Uh -huh. I want you, when at, after you finish your hot dogs... Okay. I want you to go to your Facebook page yeah. and I want you to go to your seventh friend and I want you to reach out to them and Good. let me know how it goes. I will. And I, will I want that. everybody who is hearing our voices right now to do the same thing. I want each of you to go to your seventh friend, reach out and just say, I'm just reaching out to see how you are with nothing expected in return. David, I love you. Love I love you. John. Asking me to do this, it means so much to me. And if there's a book or a person that has influenced you that you would like to see me interview here, let me know because I'm looking for my June 5th guest. Terrific, let me think about that. Okay, okay. thank you so much. Have right. a Enjoy right. those hot dogs. I will, I can't wait. I love you. Okay, love you too. We can be kind, we can take care of each other, we can remember that deep down inside we all need the same thing. And maybe we'll find, if we are there for each other, that together we'll weather whatever tomorrow may bring. Nobody really wants to fight. Nobody really wants to go to war. Everyone wants to make things right. So what are we always fighting for? Does nobody want to see it? 
Does nobody understand? The power to heal is right here in our hand. We can be kind. We can take care of each other. We can remember that deep down inside we all need the same thing. And maybe we'll find if we are there for each other. That together we'll weather whatever tomorrow may bring. And it's not enough to talk about it, not enough to sing a song. We must walk the walk about it. You and I, do or die, we've got to try to get along. We can take care of each other. We can remember that deep down inside we all need the same thing. And maybe we'll find if we are there for each other that together we'll weather whatever tomorrow may bring. And maybe we'll find true peace of mind if we always remember we can be I tell you, David, if everyone began every day with that song, there'd be no trouble in this world. Thanks. Well, I'll tell you, I wish they would. And I, I try and think of it. And I actually have to learn from it myself sometimes. It's, you know, it's, they come through me, not from me. <laughs>